Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Skewed and Reviewed Skewedcast. I'm Gareth, creator of Skewed and Reviewed. You can catch us online at sknr.net, and you can also catch my weekly radio segments on KSWFM's BJ Shea's Geek Nation, and uh, that can be heard at ksw.com, or you can catch our simulcast that we put on the site each week. We also appear in eight newspapers under the Pinal Central, P-I-N-A-L Central.com, uh, network you under keyword skewed you'll see them there if you are not in the distribution area for the print copies and last and certainly not least we have our quarterly magazine skewed and reviewed the magazine i'm joined as always with justin and michael and we've got our uh usual complement of movies games pop culture and convention news but we have a very special guest who's joining us this week to talk about some new hardware out so please go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know what uh, is new and exciting. All right. Hey, everybody. I'm uh, Mac Marshall. I'm the head of PR and communications over at Turtle Beach. And uh, today we're talking about uh, launching the second generation of the Stealth 600 and Stealth 700, which are our best-selling wireless headsets for Xbox and PlayStation. Yeah, and the great thing about it is... Um, as you said, it's wireless. Now, as I understand, 15 up to 15 hours of uh, use on one charge, correct? Yeah, that's for the Stealth 600. Um, and the 600, just to kind of delineate between the two, the 600 is essentially the the, the world's best-selling wireless gaming headset for Xbox and PlayStation. Right? So we, we launched that one um, back in, we launched both the original 600 and 700 back in like late 2017. and they've both kind of gone on to individually become bestsellers in, the, in their categories, right? So the $99, the Stealth 600 one, that's just a, an awesome headset in terms of everything you get for the $99 price point. And then the step up is the Stealth 700, which jumps from, you know, 100 bucks up to 150, but you get a lot more, uh, you know, features and functionality in that $50 jump up to definitely justify that price. So I'm curious, can you tell us what the main differences in features and functionality are yeah yeah so for uh, you know again i think just because we're talking about stealth 600 and that's one that you have for we'll, we'll talk about that one first and from the gen the first generation to the second generation of the stealth 600 it's actually more um we, we've redesigned like the, the, the overall headset from top to bottom so it definitely looks different um the biggest feature differences there are um the ear cups we've shaped those into like a d-shape uh, which kind of fits better around your ear um, and also offers, uh, you know, better bass. It allowed us to kind of retune the cavity inside more um, just so you kind of get better sound. Um, the drop down, like the, you know, where like the headset kind of the ear cup attaches to the headband, we've redone the way that uh, is to make it a little bit more beefy and sturdy. And one of the easiest like things to look at is the microphone. We have the flip to mute mic, and on the first version, it was actually on the outside of the ear cup, and you flip it down. This one it actually blends into the ear cup, uh, so that when you flip it up out of the way, it, it's just part of the head. Like you, you don't really even notice. And then we also put a larger mic element inside uh, the microphone, so it cuts down on things like hissing. It just makes for you know uh, more of a clear communication uh, with other players or your teammates um, and then again you know the goal for us was to try you know one big thing was to keep that price the same 
um, at the $99 price point. So pretty much the majority of everything that was in the, the original Gen 1, we wanted to kind of really keep that stuff and put it into the Gen 2 model, and we've been able to do that. Um, and then it's, you know, on, on Xbox, it uses the, the Windows Sonic surround sound on PlayStation, um, just because all of our headsets are, you know, the new gens are developed for kind of forward thinking for PlayStation 5 and for Xbox Series X. Um, on the PlayStation side, just to be very clear, you know, the surround sound comes from the PlayStation 5 when it's out, right? So for PlayStation 4, it's still a stereo headset for now because there is no onboard surround sound coming from the PS4 to the headset where that was a different, you know, that was a different case for PS4 now for PS5. For, we're waiting for this, the onboard surround sound to, to deliver the surround sound for our headsets on the 600. All right. And Justin, uh, do you have a few questions you'd like to ask? Yeah, so uh, definitely an awesome uh, series of headsets. Um, you know, I, I'm just curious, uh, how, how do you guys, um, I guess, um, go to the drawing board to, to make these improvements? Like, what uh, what sort of inspiration <laughs> yeah. do you use to, to kind of um, to improve upon what you already have? Yeah, I think um, one of the first things we, like I said, we... One of the first things we looked at was the price, and you know the popularity of both of those models, the 600 and the 700. What were the price points, and what you got for those price, points, right? So um, that was kind of one goal. And then as we kind of went, you know, we go through everything from consumer feedback to our own feedback um, to editorial feedback from reviews. Um, we look at all that stuff and just kind of like highlight the things that definitely like we could do differently um could improve upon and then we kind of take it from there but the the kind of cool thing about the 600 and the 700 for that matter was most of those features for example we kind of knew like they, they were all really popular and there wasn't like a lot of wiggle room because they were all pretty good so on the 600 and you know again the first thing you'll see is like the, the difference in just like the idea of the headset it looks much more kind of contemporary um a good example is actually on the 700, I'll, I'll give you a, a, an example, is we realized that not a lot of people on that that had the original 700 really took advantage of using the, the active noise cancel. So in terms of keeping that price at you know the $150 price point, we actually removed active noise canceling and then beefed up a couple other things within the headset as well, right? So now we have like, you'll have like active, you know, cooling gel infused ear cushion which weren't on the first seven. So we've kind of just kind of rejiggered little things here and there. But, you know, in doing that, we get to waterfall some some kind of more premium features from our top of the, like, our elite top of the line stuff down into the Stealth uh, series headsets. But like I said, that the glasses-friendly tech started in our elite headsets is now both in the six and seven. The cooling gel-infused ear cushions was in our elite line, and now it's down in the Stealth 700. So... It's, you know, what's neat is kind of you're getting a 200 plus dollar, you know, the equivalent of like a 200 plus dollar headset and a $150 price point with that 700 because, you know, it has Bluetooth still, you can connect to, to your phone and get all the settings. So there's just lots of little things like that that we look at and really try and kind of try and cater to what we know like the fans want. And then, you know, hopefully we can kind of meet them on the majority of them. Very good. And Michael, what did you uh, have for? Yeah, I mean, 
so Mac, one of the questions that I have is, what are some of the exciting things you guys are, are seeing come out as far as audio is concerned um, with the consoles, with PC that you're doing with your headsets? I know there was a big discussion point around the audio and uh, immersive audio that PlayStation 5 is looking to um, release, but what are some of the technologies you guys see as something that's up and coming that has you excited for you know new headset designs in the future? Um, in terms of like, you know, I think we're most excited about the new sixes and sevens in terms of designs, in terms of audio. Um, again, we're, we're more just excited on the, you know, not to detract from anything on the Xbox side, cause they did it first, right. With windows Sonic, but just the fact that that PlayStation will now have like the onboard, um, surround sound options kind of the same way that you know on xbox you can have windows sonic or if you wanted to pay a little bit you can also get whether it's dts dolby i think thx even has one now and so i think you're probably going to see a lot of the same stuff and i know sony's working on their version um for surround sound and then once that is kind of out there with the ps5 i think we're probably going to see some of those others maybe come to, to the consoles as well possibly you know but i think in terms of you know the rest of the stuff to work on, I can't really say because I can't give away the farm a little bit, but I, I will say that we've got something lined up that we're looking at in, in 2021 even for next year that's just kind of such a cool, different headset from Turtle Beach. Interesting. Now, I'm curious about uh, the whole you know, industry at the moment. How would you say uh, not having things like E3, not having tr uh, traditional packs, has affected or changed the way you do your uh, marketing and your rollouts and the fact that we've kind of already looked ahead to january and had ces say uh, not happening um right. is this causing you to have to rethink uh you know your 2021 plans almost until let's wait and see where things are uh you know it's a good question for e3 it's it's kind of a funny question because like you know personally like i love e3 i think all of us would you know who've been would kind of say you know it's that time where you get to kind of just circle back with people you haven't seen in however long and get to catch up and and go hang out with all you know industry friends for business e3 has always been super expensive especially to be on the show floor right so even like a couple years ago turtle beach shifted from being kind of like a booth on the sh on the show floor to being more of kind of like a, a meet, you know, a series of meeting rooms kind of, you know, behind closed doors. And in terms of like for doing our business at E3, it hasn't really impacted us in terms of like our salespeople have been able to execute and do all of their sales meetings. Our PR team has been able to do all of our PR meetings and still kind of accomplish the same goals. But on that note, we're spending quite a significant amount less. So business-wise, like not attending E3 and, and having E3 go, you know, hopefully temporarily go away because of COVID, it hasn't been too impactful. And, and you know, we, we get to kind of shift some of those dollars around to facilitate other things, you know, business. The same thing goes for like Gamescom, um, CES. We haven't actually been at CES in a few years. We haven't had, uh, you know, a real kind of reason to, to attend there. It doesn't really target our core kind of audience of gamers, uh, even though it's super techy, but um, yeah, it, we, CES won't affect us one bit, but the, the rest of all the shows, we kind of pick sporadically, you know, E3's always been something that we've been at. Um, we've been at things like, you know, PAX, you know, Seattle, and, and a handful of, you know, the other ones as well. But right now it's, it's not gonna kind of hurt our business, luckily. 
Yeah, and that's been a very heavily debated topic online from people that there are those saying, we'll see this just underscores you don't need these big shows. And my attitude is, right, but you can't do hands-on and you can't do the same amount of networking and there's not that energy on an right. online presentation that there is there. But of course, the flip side of it is, right, but the studios don't need booths, they don't need to transport everything, they don't need hotel rooms, uh, things yeah, like that. At, yeah, you look at the all-in costs for, you know, outside of the booth stuff, right? You look at the all-in costs for just travel, hotel, food, like all of that stuff just adds up when you're sending, whether it's 10 people, 50 people, 100 people to staff a booth at, at the show. I mean, I've been on both, I've been on both sides of E3, companies big and small and in between, and it's still the same if you're trying to be on the show floor. I mean, you're going to spend a chunk of change being, and to not have to do that, that money definitely gets, doesn't get just thrown, you know, back into the, like, we'll, we'll put it somewhere else where it's going to matter. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it it's just such a crazy time because, you know, we always looked at, um, you know, coming back to CES, they were sending out questionnaires to us who had been and saying, you know, things like, would you be comfortable with a health check on site? Would you be comfortable if there was a vaccine showing proof of vaccination or at the very least a recent test? You know, even down to the point of saying, uh, would you be okay with a saliva or blood test on site before getting in? And it was like, this was what, Michael, <laughs> about six weeks ago or something? Seven, eight weeks ago. Yeah, somewhere around there. And then all of a sudden it's, yeah, not happening, sorry. <laughs> and, yeah, and you know, kind we of kind of looked at it and said, if you pull the plug in July on something in January, that gives you an idea where they think the state of the world's going to be. And, yeah. you know, considering that so much of that show comes from overseas as well, um, you know, I, I talked to a concert promoter a couple months ago, well, a couple months ago, excuse me, a few weeks ago, and he said, we're not even considering booking anything till at the very least next summer. And this right. whole thing about, you know, reduced audience, he said it's cheaper for us to cancel and not hold a show than it is to do it with a reduced audience. So, right. And yeah. what's funny, too, is like even now and like you'll see things like, you know, hey, they're you know, even at Turtle Beach, right? They're, you know, to get into the office, they're taking your temperature. You have to be at the door at a certain time. And if like you get your temperature checked and then you can, you know, if you're good, you can go into the office in a limited kind of supply or limited capacity at one point before we kind of stop doing it again but um you know now they're even saying like the temperature checks aren't really even accurate right so there's you know there's just lots of little things where like you know what they said two weeks ago a month ago it's it's kind of like well you know i think right now it's the, the most important thing is just to kind of sit back and and let everybody figure it out right so you know the idea of going to big shows or concerts or anything like that where they're i get like it's the best of intentions trying to kind of put the safety measures in place but you know every two or three weeks there's another update that says something isn't as good as we thought it was so it's kind of hard to to bet on that right now right oh so exactly. mac oh, oh sorry garrett yeah so mac how has that been for you guys working it sounds like a lot a lot of your work is now remote um like yeah. i guess most of the country how has that how has that been from a transitional perspective for the things you guys do has it been easy hard what, do you, what kind of challenges are you running into i'll, I'll tell you straight up like we I don't know if you've seen, but like we've done exceptionally well business-wise in the past, you know, like since February, March kind of time frame. Like it's just people are home, they need headsets, they need keyboards, mice, all the stuff that we happen to to, to create, which is great in that capacity. Um, 
we were pretty early on actually closing Turtle Beach down and going straight to work from home. And luckily for me, I've actually worked from home the majority of my career at Turtle Beach, which is uh, you know a godsend. They've they've been very kind to me and let me do that. And I sh would show up as frequently as I can because it's not too far of a drive for me to go to that office. Um, but you know, we shut down pretty quick. Um, went to work from home. And then eventually, you know, however many weeks or months later, we did kind of open up again with like a hand, like, you know, all of the, the safety measures, you know, everything from distancing and plexiglass and, and reconfiguring the office and limiting the amount of people that can come in at any given time. I mean, it really has been commendable, the, the, the structure that we've created to try and allow people to either A, work from home or B, if you want to come into the office, you can just let us know in advance and we'll, we'll kind of schedule it out. And so far, I mean, honestly, like it's it's been fantastic. Everybody has managed to be able to shift to the new dynamic and we haven't lost a step. And uh, Justin, did you have something you were going to ask? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to oh, cut you off. Uh, no, I think, uh, you know, I think we covered it. So one of the questions I had is I know obviously everything is in a state of flux right now, but sure. uh, not not getting political, but with everything yeah. going on with the post office and with the upcoming holidays, I mean, it's still a few months out, but not so far that we don't have to at least start looking at that option, uh, right. especially with ROCAT, uh, which is part of your, you know, bigger portfolio. Yep. Uh, are you guys anticipating shipping problems or supply issues as we get to uh, the big sales push time of year, especially since I'd like to think that online shopping will be even more intense this year than most years? Right. Um, you know, it's I, I wish I could predict the future. And I think most of our uh, executive team, especially in the kind of operational side of things, does, too, because you kind of do hit the nail right on the head, which is it's kind of a crapshoot right now. We, we only know what we know, but um, so like I said, our ops team, everything that we've been doing in the back end that nobody sees, like making sure that we have enough product at our retail outlets, uh, like our brick and mortar retail outlets, like your Best Buys and things like that, Target, um, you know, Walmart, big ones, like we're making sure that they have ample inventory. We've been working on that for a while now. Um, and really, as as you know, so so right now, we've announced those Stealth six and seven hundred Gen twos, and those are kind of already out and and getting out there um, into retail channels. And the Rocket, the new Rocket products for this year, um, you know, they'll be announced probably in the next couple weeks. Um, and those are in a similar boat. We're doing everything we can to try and kind of just orchestrate and facilitate getting stuff to where it needs to be in a timely fashion, but. You know, typically, as when as we ship things, you know, we we go through. Um, you know, I, I think we're FedEx uh, at this point, so um, for shipping products out. So I don't know if we're going to be impacted if if something you know unfortunate does happen, even worse to the USPS, which I think is a terrible thing that's going on. But um, I, you know, we can't. You know, I I, I I'd like to hope we'll be okay, but I, I can't really answer that question with any sort of certainty. And uh, Mike, I have an, another question, but Michael, did you have something you wanted to ask? No, I, I think we've covered everything I had to ask. Okay. So I, I'm going to try to ask this without putting you on the spot. And I understand <laughs> you cannot go into specifics until certain things are done, but let's sure. let's use it in general terms. Yeah, uh, let me try and tease things as much as I can, right? Perfect. 
licensed products, uh, crossovers, themed uh, versions of the headsets and the hardware. You know, uh, sure. in the in the past, you had the Marvel line, oh, yeah. that sort of thing. Um, something to look forward to, or does that also cause problems now with the fact that a lot of these developers are working from home? Two and we, while they've been generally very good, we have seen several release dates change along the way. Yeah. Um, so one thing, you know, I've I've been with Turtle Beach five or six years now. Um, but kind of when I joined, um, we had just kind of we, you know, when I joined, we were just coming I, we were still an official headset of call of duty and working with activision we still like we still did a lot of those licensed headsets. marvel stuff um star wars was probably i think like the last one we did something with like lucasfilm um and what happens with like the licensed headsets you know is you know obviously there's just a lot of 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 the usual kind of back and forth and approvals working with you know big licensors like that um but what happens is you'll probably like sell a handful of that licensed like product like in the first two or three weeks. And after that flashpoint, then it kind of tends to taper down. And so what we found was like, you know, your retailers get stuck with some inventory of like, you know, licensed branded product that they kind of have to start cutting the price down and, and to get off their shelves and out of their kind of retail inventory. And, you know, over time we decided that that wasn't the best idea, right? So we had switched from kind of whatever that amount of like our overall marketing budget that we were using to do like those partnerships in terms of, you know, branded, you know, whether it's Call of Duty, Marvel, Star Wars headsets, um, we shifted and really kind of started focusing early on looking more at influencers and, um, you know, streamers and, and pro teams and, and pro players. And so that's kind of when we made the shift and when we kind of started our, our original partnership started with like optic gaming kind of on the heels of stopping doing the the branded headsets and then really focusing more on teams and players and influencers so the idea isn't like we've done some limited runs of like headsets for some of the teams that we've worked with in the past um we've made things like custom branded ear plates that you could kind of slap on to you know some of the ones that had like the magnetic removable ear plates so we've done little things like that um we definitely have things um that we're looking at for the future and but again it would probably be more in that category of looking at certain teams players and influencers uh versus just going for like a big license for like hey let's go do a, another star wars license sets for example right we're, we're we don't have any plans like that. well that makes sense yeah like i said everything is just so chaotic right now and, and the uh, dynamic has changed too right like there's you know when you look at like the audience of of for gamers right like, there's a lot of those people that are watching you know whether it's youtube twitch um any of that to just watch their favorite teams their favorite players their favorite streamers just play games i mean that's that's become kind of the the contemporary form of of not only entertainment but even like in in the current COVID era like just communicating with other people right like you're you're always online you're always talking about this thing that you're watching or that thing that you, that that awesome match that you just saw and that's that's what gamers are talking about right now exactly and of course 
you know, as we get closer to the fall, we're going to get all these new titles coming out. We're going to get uh, new oh, yeah. systems and stuff like that. And it, it kind of swings back around. As I, I was talking to some people in a group, and they were asking about, oh, do you think there's going to be, the, you know, using the PlayStation as an example, do you think there'll be a special edition-themed console of this one or this one or that one? And they're referring to the PS4. And my question was, why would anybody outside of a collector invest money in a exclusive version of a console when the brand new one's going to be out you know right. they, and unless you were getting it either as a collector or to, you know with the intention of flipping somewhere down the line or you just absolutely had to have every version didn't make sense to me but you know yeah you know it's it it who knows man it's it's funny um I, you know i I've never bought any of the, the, like, custom branded, even, like, if it's, like, a favorite game, like, you know, skinned version of a console or anything like that. But I've certainly, like, sold things to collectors, and, man, they will, they, they really want every little thing out there. So, I mean, there's definitely, like, a market for that stuff, but mm. right now for us, you know, like, it's, like I said, it's not really a big focus for us. I mean, one of my, my favorite things is a, a buddy of mine uh, is a humongous collector of all things, like, just just geek culture gaming like he has every action figure known to mankind in a glass case in like a certain room in his house and he got wind that i had like literally the last run because we did the last branded um like you know headset that we did was from from star wars and i had and they were each engraved with like a number that they were you know done in production so i had the very last one off the production line and never took it out of the box, never took it out of the plastic, and, and a buddy of mine saw it, and he was like, how much do you want for that? And I was like, honestly, if you promise me you won't take it out of the box, you can have it and put it in your collection. <laughs> so my like our headset is just sitting in my in like a friend's kind of gallery collection of Star Wars stuff, and it's just neat to kind of have those. But You know, that's funny. That reminds us so much of some of the swag stories, as Michael well, say when we go to like E3 and he went to Comic-Con for the first time last year, they hand out various things. And then if they find out you're in the media, you get even more. And yep. we put we put the photos online like you do and stuff like that. And it's funny because we had a lot of people coming at us for the dying light figures that they gave out last year because they weren't making it available in the stores. But then you get like these weird things that you put photos up and you'll think, oh, everyone will be thrilled about this. And nobody cares. And then it'll be something obscure like uh, uh, I, I remember this Aliens Colonial Marine neckerchief. I mean, we all know that game had a lot of problems. And I still get people that, hey, I saw your picture online from this thing. Do you still have that neckerchief? And is it available? I was like, yeah, it's sitting in my closet right now. That's where it stays. <laughs> you know. Yeah. My, my favorite is uh, I might be. Yeah, like call myself out here, but my, my one of my favorite things is uh, ages ago I somehow uh, came across acquiring a uh, collector's edition of a game, and uh, this, I already bought the game, like I already had just the game, but I, I ended up getting sent a collector's edition of, it, and I was like, oh man, this is awesome, but like I gotta be honest, I'm I'm not that guy, like I don't I don't need the collector's edition of anything, so put it up on eBay expecting nothing, and the next like two days it was like in the thousands of dollars. And I was like, my mind was blown that people are willing to do that. But yeah, if you have the right thing and there's only a few of them and it's in pristine packaging and never been open, man, you get people that are willing to, to kind of go above and beyond to add something into their collection. So I'm, I'm glad it went to somebody who would appreciate it way more than me. 
Yeah, and that's it's just it, it's crazy. You know, it's it, it's similar to like news stories. I mean, we will get interviews. Um, we've got a really big one tomorrow under a really strict embargo that they did weeks ago, and we had to sign sure. all this stuff saying that we wouldn't put a thing out, we wouldn't even tell people about it until we until it actually. And there are things like that. You go, this is going to be huge. This is going to take off. This is going to be massive, and yep. it goes nowhere. And then you <laughs> right. get th then you get things like you know I I remember joking back to Comic Con a couple of years ago. I remember telling Michael, you know, we were sitting there, chick, you know, listing off all the interviews. We had to bring in helpers to cover them, and I was like just going over mine, you know, Walking Dead, Fear the Walking Dead, Preacher, Nosferatu, the Terror, and and all, you know the magicians and the Expanse, and we're clicking them all off, going. And it was Helen Slater coming in to talk about the Blu-ray release of the 80s dud Supergirl that <laughs> absolutely exploded and went through the roof. And we're like going, this movie was one of the biggest epic disasters for superhero films ever made. Right. And yet, you know, what, what are we, 25, 30 years later, this is when, I actually, I think it was closer to 35 years later, everybody went nuts over a, an interview where she was just talking about it. Yeah. Com Comic-Con is, like, definitely, like, the the show that I personally miss just the most because it's always been the most fun to just go work and, and be on the show floor. And, you know, E3 is also great, but Comic-Con is the one that I, I genuinely Yeah, it, it, it's just all that so much going on at once and, like, you know, you're walking into a panel room, and my wife still jokes about the time that Summer Glau and I nearly plowed over each other. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then as you're doing that, here's Nichelle Nichols uh, being wheeled by, you know, right next to you. It's like, yeah, but that's the show. It's just, uh, you know, so much stuff going on. Speaking yeah. of which, before I do forget, I did need to mention these. We've got a couple of uh, Blu-rays coming out this week. They're both going to be out on August 20th from Warner Home Video. Now, the first one is a Blu-ray and digital code combination, and it's the complete first season of Batwoman. And, of course, it's funny because Michael and I saw the premiere episode at Comic-Con last year, and mm -hmm. we all thought, oh, this looks really good. And then, lo and behold, talk about a troubled first season with the you know with the yeah. star of the show basically saying, I'm out of here. And, yeah. and uh, you well, know, let's not forget she got injured really bad, too, during yeah, the first season. Yeah. Shooting. <laughs> It was like this craziest panel because they started off the, the day with it in Ballroom 20 and they didn't even have any of the cast. It was two of the, it was, a, were they both producers, Michael, or was it a writer producer? I think a writer producer, but yeah, yeah. they were both uh, behind the scenes folks. Yeah, not a yeah. single member of the cast, whereas all the other CW shows rolled out cast after cast after cast. They showed the episode, great response, and then, you know, now you're hearing things like, oh, well, we couldn't even finish the first season as it was planned. And so apparently the transition to the new Batwoman is going to be even harder. They're going to have to just make references to where they were going. And it's just it's crazy. But the DVD is coming. And this is uh, why I was mentioning the Comic-Con. Sure. One of the great things about the Warner Brother sets is that they have a lot of retro uh, bonus features. And so it includes the best of DC TV comic-con panels from 2019 not just the batwoman one they're going right. to have like a highlight of all of them and they're going to have deleted scenes and i think that's going to be really really interesting i haven't made it to that part yet uh the other thing they have is continuing their r-rated uh animated series and they've had a lot of success with the r-rated animated 
DC shows as well as Mortal Kombat is they have Deathstroke, Knights, and Dragons, and that's coming out on the 20th as well. It's got the Blu-ray, DVD, and digital combo pack, and of course, if you like Deathstroke and you want to see some absolute carnage, I mean, listen to the rating classification. Strong, bloody violence throughout. Some language and brief sexuality and partial nudity. So, you know, if that doesn't scream a must-watch for, you know, or at the very least to go, huh, I'm, yeah, I'm curious gotta here. Got to check it out at least, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, it's crazy stuff. And uh, swing gears, and I guess, you know, it's funny how that uh, worked out. I did not initially have that plan to be next up. But next weekend, speaking of conventions, we have Fandom. And that is uh, August 22nd, 23rd. And that is DC's online showcase for their TV shows, for comics, for gaming, and, of course, for the movies. And uh, this essentially is answering the big question as to why they did not have a uh, much of a presence at the San Diego Comic-Con online. So, uh, Mac, do you have any thing on that that you wanted to discuss uh no no i I mean if we're gonna talk about dc i think the most fascinating thing i've seen recently is the the ryan reynolds reynolds cut of green lantern oh yeah 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 (laughs) (laughs) i believe there's a rumor that he actually may be showing up in this thing oh yeah that'd be cool he's he's on like like he's, he's one of my favorite just kind of actors in general but uh but you know the the fact that how much he makes fun of things like Green Lantern, um, uh, yeah. Well, a few weeks ago, we discussed with Comic-Con, there was a lot of, um, uh, how do we put it? There was a lot of people saying, why 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 weren't there more movie panels? Why weren't there more reveals? And my Uh take on it was, well, considering that most theaters still can't open, uh, you know, we're, we're hearing all this, oh, this is going to come out next week, and the New Mutants is coming out on the 28th. I don't know how your situation is in California, but I can pretty much tell you, you will not have theaters opening widely in Arizona. And no. I've talked to the folks up in Seattle, and they've said, now nah, that's not happening. In fact, they're probably going to be shutting things down again. So Yeah, but you know what you're seeing, though, to kind of fill some of those gaps? And I don't think you're ever going to fill the gap of going into, like, movie theaters. Because, I mean, that's still something. Like, I'm a huge movie nerd. I love going to the theater and seeing, like, the midnight opening of whatever it is. It doesn't matter. Um, But now you're seeing things like, you know, HBO and putting Doom Patrol and Umbrella Academy and all these other, like, really cool kind of superhero-driven shows, um, you know, everything's available on Disney plus, right? Like for Marvel, there's, there's just, there's lots of things happening that are going to be able to deliver that, that kind of, you know, at least for the, the comic kind of fans, like there's, there's still going to be lots of ways for everybody to kind of digest their, their, their favorite kind of, you know, whether it's comic book or character or whatever the case. Yeah. It's just, it just, everybody's still getting over the hump of, Oh, this is different. You know? (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. One of our, uh, I think you have a few in California Harkins. They're very large. Oh yeah. It's like the best theater to go to. Oh, absolutely. And that's where the majority of our press screeners are. And they have been very creative. They've had like drive up masked uh, staff and everything where you can drive up and get a bag of the nachos or a giant bag of the popcorn and stuff like that. And then they finally, the other day, said uh, what was it about a week ago michael they started um uh what do you call it cordoning off their parking lot and they put up a 50-foot screen 
and they basically said we're going to start running it as a drive-in but of course it's older movies yeah and it, it was crazy like if, apparently if you want to use the bathroom or you want to get uh refreshments you have to mask up come in do the health check at the door you can go into the theater then and then it's get back to your car and it, it, it's just it's funny and I, you know, we, our thought was they're not doing these movie previews at Comic-Con because nobody knows when theaters are going to be open to the masses. I know some places in Europe are. Um, we saw a poll that said the majority of theater goers are still going to be cautious about returning until there's a vaccine into 2021. And then we even had a, a discussion with one of the screening groups here where they were like, you know, do you have a comfort level for screenings? And we were kind of like, well, if it's press only in one guest, if masks, temperature checks and spacing, okay. But if you're gonna try to open it up to the general public, we're all gonna be lining up and fighting for seats and trying to climb into the roped off areas. Yeah, I got, I, you know, we have a problem with that. Yeah. And so now we look at this schedule of Fandome and it's like, this is, this is pretty intense. I mean, they've got Wonder Woman 1984 They've got um, the Warner Brother Games Montreal announcement. And, uh, you know, you've got the Sandman panel. You've got the multiverse. You've got introducing the Flash movie panel. Stuff on the new Batman movie. Stuff on the new Suicide Squad. On and on down the line. And then, of course, they're all talking about, um, oh, we're going to have some surprise guests. And we've heard that Dwayne Johnson, you know, The Rock is going to be there. There's a panel on the Snyder Cut of the Justice League. There's a panel on Black Adam, which is probably where The Rock is going to show up. Panel on Aquaman, so on and so forth. And then, of course, the one that has really got everyone talking is the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League panel. Right. And so, you know... Have you gotten that... to see the Snyder Cut yet, by the way? No, I haven't. Okay. I haven't. I, um, I'm probably going to get myself in a lot of trouble for saying this. But <laughs> I, I was Sorry, but so underwhelmed and disappointed with the Justice League movie. And, you know, I, I remember we had our screening and I was just sitting there going, really? You know, that, that was like, to me, it was a worse experience than the Batman versus Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice. And I, I even, if I'm not mistaken, I think they screened uh, Justice League for us in the IMAX, no less. And I was just like, wow, this was, <laughs> you know, this was not Marvel, I can tell you that. And so my attitude has been there's a curiosity of how much different is it going to be. But then there's that other part of me going, yeah, I, I don't know if I'm at the point where I'd want to pay for pay to see it just to, you know. But if people come out and say, wow, it was a much better film, sure, I'll see it. So yeah. um, let's open it up to everybody. What of what they what i just mentioned or what you've heard about are you most interested in and what are you surprised that uh is there or isn't there i'm gonna take a i'm gonna back up just a second and did you guys know that walmart is now doing drive-in theaters in a lot of their stores for what? free yeah, yeah i heard, I heard they're opening that. up their, they're gonna have quote-unquote social distancing they're gonna be opening up their parking lot putting up big screens and they're gonna be showing free movies probably older movies but what I don't know is that an effort to get more people to go into the store? Because honestly, I don't think Walmart's doing that bad. But yeah, I saw that was announced uh, last week that they're going to start doing drive-in theaters in their parking lot. That's interesting. So, <laughs> you know, we talk about the movie-going experience and drive-ins have kind of become 
more hip, more popular because people can get out. I, yeah. I don't know that I want to spend two hours of gas sitting in my car in the middle of the desert right now to do yeah. that. But um, <laughs> but at the same time, it, it shows how some of these companies are being, uh, you know, innovative in their in how what they're doing. So yeah. um, pretty curious. Uh, as far as DC fandoms concerned, I will say that I've always been a huge fan of the DC television series. You know, Arrow, uh, Batwoman, Black Lightning, um, oh, DC's yeah. Legends of Tomorrow. It's one thing that, you know, it's kind of funny. It's kind of the opposite of what Marvel does, right? Marvel's TV shows, eh, but their movies are fantastic. DC, their television series are fantastic, and their movies yep. are kind of eh. Um, so, you know, I I agree with Gareth. I'm I'm a, I was a little underwhelmed with Justice League, although I am very interested in the Snyder cut. Uh, obviously, I'm I'm excited to see the new how they're going to do the new Batwoman, how that's going to be introduced. Um, you know, obviously, I, I'm looking forward to getting back to my other shows, DC's Legends of Tomorrow and Supergirl, uh, The Flash. So I think there's a you know there, there's a lot there. Um, one thing you know about Wonder Woman 1984 is you know that was supposed to be released this summer. Now they're saying this fall, whether or not it'll actually make it. Yeah, if it makes it, great. Um, I thought I read somewhere that it was released in Belgium already, but I don't know. Um, but it, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if that's one of the new summer blockbusters to actually come out in the theater this year, or if we're going to see that get pushed back too. So yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of excitement, a lot of um, energy in the where as far as comics are concerned. And yeah, I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see you know what they're bringing and and what the cast have to say and and how they're going to introduce us to some of these things. Just yeah. oh, go ahead. Oh, I just said yeah. Justin, do you have anything? Yeah, so um, I think for me the the most exciting thing for DC fandom this year is uh, on the gaming side actually. Um, so obviously you know Rocksteady has been pretty quiet since uh, releasing Arkham Knight, um, and it's been recently announced they're making a Suicide Squad game. Uh, I think that's pretty intriguing, but um, I'm actually a little bit more excited to see what the announcement is out of their Montreal studio, which I believe is the same studio that did uh, the Arkham Origins game, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, so the, the rumors that uh, Rocksteady uh, were making a Suicide Squad game of, you know, were kind of around the internet for a while. Um, but with those rumors were... Uh, you know, accompanied by other rumors that the Montreal studio was working on a sort of soft reboot of the Arkham series. So, um, you know, given that the Suicide Squad game did pan out, uh, you know, I do think, you know, I do want to stress this is a rumor, and obviously we'll see next week whether it's true or not. But, um, you know, uh, a another entry or sort of soft reboot of the Arkham series uh, I think would be pretty exciting. Um, supposedly it's... Uh, not really Arkham related specifically, but it is a Batman specific game. Um, so we'll have to kind of wait and see. I'm a pretty big fan of the Arkham Origins game uh, in that series. So uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see what that studio is up to. Um, you know, and obviously the, the other projects you guys mentioned with their films and, and television shows, I think they have a lot to show. There was some rumors, I remember uh, about a year ago, there were rumors about a Superman game, and then I started to hear, well, yeah, it, it's more of a featuring Superman than an actual Superman game. And then, you know, people have been looking over the teaser trailers for Fandome saying, is that Mortal Kombat? Is Superman coming? To and I'm like, yeah, no, I don't, you're, you're not, they're not going to allow Superman to go in a game and get his head ripped off or rip someone else's head off. Because if you remember when they had that, DC versus Mortal Kombat game that came out many years ago. That was one of the 
biggest stipulations that there could be no killing in it it could not be graphically violent so you had to have a kind of like an injustice style where you could slap each other around all you want as long as you didn't kill each other but you know one of the things that is funny we mentioned ryan reynolds and there was some joke that he was going to be uh showing off or touting a uh, director's cut of the Green Lantern and that sort of thing. So I'm, I was curious about that. But one of the things that I found really interesting is that Melissa Benoist has been all over social media and she's uh, essentially been apologizing for not being part of FanDome. And that kind of struck me as odd because to the best of my knowledge, they're not filming anything. And this is all you know, for the most part, pre-recorded, although I think uh, a chunk of it, they are going to attempt to live stream, but the next day there are reruns, that sort of thing. Um, I'm just curious why she's not available to do it, or if it was just, you know, it, it struck me as odd as the star of one of your featured shows on the CW was not going to be a part of it, so I don't know whether she's under the weather or something like that, but it, it did, you know, caught me off guard there a bit. Now, moving forward, uh, we also have Gamescom coming up August 27th through 30th. We'll be discussing that uh, in greater detail next week when hopefully we have a little bit um, better idea. Um, I've got my thoughts on it, obviously. And uh, why don't we open the floor up? What are you guys expecting out of this? Mac, you can go ahead if you... Yeah, I was going to say for us, we, 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 we... We don't really, like, you know, we've been to Gamescom, but we usually end up in, like, the, the B2B area. Again, kind of just not on the consumer-facing show floor with a huge booth or anything like that. But, again, like, we are we're, we have no plans to really kind of attend any, you know, like, you know, Gamescom's canceled, and, you know, I don't think we have any... It's not going to affect us in, in terms of, like, what we do. I think it would have been nice, um, ideally, just in terms of timing and all that stuff for, you know, to, to have the big event in Germany and because Rocket, you know, before, you know, they're, they're German, they were a German PC brand, right? So they, they have a lot of kind of core fans, you know, in th that territory that, you know, you'd probably be able to kind of reach uh, just to show them some of the really cool new stuff we've got coming down the pipeline. But uh, we'll, we'll find other means to, to accomplish that goal. Okay, and I was uh, looking now toward announcements we expect to be coming out of the entire industry. Like, for example, one of the things that I'm looking at is when the hell are we going to get a release date or some information on Call of Duty Cold War? Uh, you know, they sent out those puzzle kits to various influencers and online, and people have been hacking those down. Yep. I know someone who's very high up in the marketing chain for that and they have been saying for the better part of a week and a half two weeks that they've been exceptionally busy and it's been very intense so that kind of implied to me that they are you know planning something but we all kind of thought it would show up at one of the playstation 5 showcases because they had the first look for expansions and stuff with ps5 and you know we michael and i have discussed the pattern behind it has always been Usually you get a leak or something in March or April, maybe even May, but by June you get a look at it and possibly a chance to play it some years. They have playable builds at E3. There you go. Here we are in August. Everybody keeps saying it's coming out this fall as planned. They even said so in a shareholders meeting. We still haven't seen a single trailer. Yeah, that's that's the, uh, you know, in my, in my former life, pre-Turtle Beach, 
everything you're saying makes sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, yeah. I spent, you know, quite a bit of my career working at Activision and, and the marketing team. So, you know, uh, not having any current insight into what they're doing, but, you know, they've been kind of pulling it in, you know, at least from my kind of sight lines, right? Like they've been pulling in the amount of time between when they reveal whatever they're going to reveal that year and then to when it's available at retail. They've been they've been shrinking that timeline down a little bit every year for the past few years. So it doesn't surprise me that, you know, here we are in August and we still don't know a whole lot. But, you know, what I can say is that that team, you know, they've always been awesome at what they do over there. So I, I, I don't I don't doubt that they've got something really cool coming, you know, uh, probably, you know, a couple weeks away at this point, I would guess. Yeah, undoubtedly. I mean, one of the theories that we've been uh, kicking around is that perhaps they have to wait for um, Sony because if there is some kind of um, cross-promotion going like, I don't know, let's just throw it out there, a Call of Duty-themed PS5 for launch or something like that or, you know, some kind of marketing thing that that perhaps could have been one of the reasons we haven't heard anything because they have to wait for Sony to say, yay. Uh, you know, a lot of these games that are coming for the PS5 initially that we've heard announced uh, that are coming out this year are the PS4 version that includes an update to, uh, you know, enhancements that the PS5 can play for. And, you know, we've speculated uh, like Dying Light. People are always saying, where's Dying Light 2? It's been delayed again. It's been delayed again. I've floated the yeah. idea that perhaps they're at the point where they're just going to skip this generation and say, you know what, uh, it's a PC and next generation only. And that's, you know, not uncommon. They tried to do that with the original game where they said, here it is, and we're also going to make it for the prior version. They launched it on the current generation, and then as things went, they realized they couldn't do it on the other one because they'd have to water the game down too much. Yeah. Um, it's crazy. Uh, Justin or Michael, do you have any thoughts on what we may see or a wish list or anything like that? Yeah, so um, it's kind of hard to predict what's going to be there. And actually, Gamescom, it's a little more difficult. It's always been a little bit more difficult to predict what's going to be shown than E3. Uh, E3's always been sort of a known quantity, but Gamescom, some, some years there's a lot of stuff and some years there isn't much. Uh, my expectation is they're probably going to be a little bit more than usual, um, only because, uh, you know, I, I think with COVID going on, a lot of companies, um, you know, that maybe plan to reveal something earlier in the summer uh, needed more time to get stuff ready, um, given the fact that, you know, everybody's been impacted by the virus. So, um, supposedly, there's some rumors going around uh, that there's going to be some uh some new games being revealed um the caliber of which uh we don't really know yet um we do know uh for sure that the the expansion to doom eternal will be shown off there so i'm excited to see that of course and doom eternal was pretty great so uh i'm looking forward to that um as far as other games you know uh blizzard sometimes has a has a decent showing at gamescom um you know they they announce obviously that they will not have blizzcon this year even in a digital format so um, it might be possible that we get some news for Diablo 4, potentially. Uh, I think that would be pretty cool. Um, I'd be super excited about that, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, 
So, uh, yeah, between those two games, I'd be excited for both of those. Um, I think, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is a pretty good bet. We might get some some demo oh, yeah. out of that as well. Also, because that's Also long overdue for people to get some new insight. Absolutely. Um, so just because, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 is due out this year, I think, you know, the Gamescom would be a good opportunity for them to show more of the game. Um, beyond that, like you said, Call of Duty, it's a, obviously... Uh, they, they need to start showing it uh, for people um, if it's going to come out this year. So I think that it's also a pretty safe bet as well. And Michael, did you have anything? Yeah, so first thing, I didn't realize cosplay was such a big thing at Gamescom, so I've either been under a rock or something, but I see <laughs> that's touted on their, on their front page, so I guess it's a good way for them to kind of mix all the things together. Um, but yeah, no, I agree with all of, all of what you guys are saying. I think uh, Call of Duty again. It's it surprises me that we haven't seen something by now. Um, again, I, we can all speculate why that is. It might just be that they're uh, trying to hype it up even more to kind of get get a you know a bigger release. Although they've never had a problem with that game selling in the past, so I, I would hope that we'd see something at Gamescom. Uh, but I, I'm not holding my breath out for that. Uh, I, I agree. Diablo 4 would be fantastic. Uh, I would love to see some more about that because, again, all we've really seen is a teaser of it so far. Um, at least to see some, um, some I wouldn't even say gameplay, but just to get a little bit more details on it itself. And then, of course, Cyber, Cyberpunk is one game that I know is going to keep me up late at night. So I'm excited to see how far that's come, get some more details on that because uh, we are getting really close to the release time. So, yeah, I, I think all in all, those are, those are kind of the big, big hitters that I would like to see come out of Gamescom. Uh, again, we've been surprised at Gamescom before. Um, you know, E3 was traditionally the place where a lot of these companies did big announcements. But we have seen in the past that Gamescom is now becoming that venue as well for some of these larger uh, corporations. Um, so I would like to see, you know, it'll be interesting to see if they can surprise us with some stuff. You know, as far as Dying Light 2 is concerned, uh, when we saw the the demo that where they played, where the developers played through the demo at E3, um, it seemed pretty, I, I, obviously not complete, but it, it seemed like they had a lot going forward into that. So I, I, I'm surprised we haven't heard more about that. But I do think that they're probably revamping that to be a next-gen console release and a PC release. So I wouldn't, I'm not, it doesn't surprise me at all that they keep delaying that. So yeah, we'll see um, what we what they've got to show. I'm Again, I'm excited for it, and I'll, I'll be interested to see if we have any big releases come out of there. I think, too, remember, you know, some years you also have Paris Games Week, Tokyo Game Show, yeah. and stuff like that. We also have PAX Online this year, which is September 12th through 20th, which uh, is usually over Labor Day weekend. So they're pushing back into the best of my understanding. This is kind of like the last biggest, uh, sh you know, combined showcase to get your product out before the fall season but we've also seen developers have had no problem just throwing their own thing out there one of my big things to wrap up uh, gamescom and i you know i think it swings over to pax as well um not trying to sling mud here but i think we've all read about the uh situations going on at ubisoft with the uh resignations the dismissals that sort of thing uh, i'm curious if they're going to step back or if they're just going to go all in and say you know, Watch Dogs 3, Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, Far Cry 6, here's some gameplay, and go from there. So, the thing I wanted to wrap up with this week really quickly was something that we have been following since January 2019 when we were first told 
it's coming, but there was no title, no pictures, and no specifics, not even a, uh, well, you know, anything beyond that. Then we were told months later, oh, don't worry, it's still coming, it's still coming. We had all sorts of teases of a possible reveal, never happened. And then Fox Next got sold to a mobile developer who clearly weren't going to develop a console game. We were worried about what was happening. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, we get the word this week that Cold Iron Studio has been uh, partnered up with Daybreak. And yes, the Alien Massive Online Shooter is still coming. And so, Justin, what do you think? Yeah, so obviously I'm huge Alien fan, a hyper fan. Uh, you know, I come from an Alien vs. Predator website from, you know, way back in the day. So, wow. I uh, worked on the AVP game. Oh, really? Oh, nice. Right on. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite games of all time. Um, so, uh, I've been following this, you know, pretty closely since its announcement. Um, you know, a couple points about this. It's like... it. This game has sort of been slightly unique in terms of how it's been announced to the world. Um, you know, if you look at the original announcement, it really wasn't a formal kind of, you know, announcement that you would expect for a video game. You know, typically uh, when a video game is announced, it's like, you know, uh, you get like a teaser trailer. Uh, the game is typically uh, almost done um, when, when it's finally re revealed to the public. Um, this Alien Cold Iron Studio game was announced um you know almost as a second-hand announcement uh, uh in part uh, as part of the announcement that um fox next studios was forming so the the actual subject of the announcements was fox next studio being formed as a as an entity and then just sort of secondhand thrown in there was that they were working on an alien game so even at the time i i expected that this game was very far out my guess was that very little work had been done on it, uh, if any. Um, so, you know, a lot of the time when games are almost done and they're, you know, they're announced to the public, uh, you're really looking at maybe a year out max. Um, this was very likely extremely early in development, so it, it sort of makes sense that, uh, you know, we've waited this so long to even see it. Um, you know, that being said, there's also the, the factor that Disney purchased Fox and that has thrown sort of a wrench in to uh, anything that's Fox related. So we've spoken on in the past over, you know, um, speculation about what's happening with this video game. Um, especially because Disney's not particularly interested in, in making video games. So, um, it sort of makes sense. Uh, the other part of this that's interesting to me is partnering with Daybreak Studios I think that's the other part of this that I think, um, you know, I'm starting to rethink the caliber of this game that we're that we're getting. Um, you know, when it was first announced, it was a it was described as a first person shooter, um, and I, I think for most people, uh, they were thinking something along the lines of like, you know, maybe a Colonial Marines, but uh, obviously better, uh, hopefully better. Um, but uh, given the caliber of games that daybreak studios has made uh i i probably would not expect something along the lines of like a triple a title but probably a uh multiplayer focused um uh video game that might not be you know of the caliber of uh like doom eternal or or think or something like that but 
maybe something that is uh, has sort of more wide appeal and is uh, like a larger scale. Um, something I'm that comes to mind is maybe there's it takes place on a planet and you really it's mo- mostly uh, you know PVE uh, multiplayer focused kind of missions uh, where you're Colonial Marines. That's my guess right now, but obviously we'll wait and see. It's good to hear that it's still being worked on. We've obviously spoken about this topic many times in the past, um, given that we haven't seen a single screenshot of this game. But like I said, it's been, it was sort of a, a unique announcement to begin with, and uh, it's probably had a somewhat troubled um, development cycle just because of everything that's happened to Fox. I'm also wondering if it's a next-gen 2, because here's the funny thing. I actually pulled up the article. It was January 2018, not 2019, which is funny. So it was January 17, 2018, when they uh, made the announcement, and it was described as a shooter for PC and consoles set in the cinematic universe of the Alien franchise. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think you know seeing what their catalog is of everquest everquest 2 planet side 2 the dc united i i basically am expecting planet side 2 alien uh but hopefully with you know a little more stable gameplay mechanics and graphics at launch and michael or mac do you have anything uh to mention on that before we wrap everything up yeah what i was gonna say is well what i'm praying is they don't screw it up honestly because we we've been it's not that we've just been waiting for a great alien game since you know alien versus predator alien versus predator 2 but the well i mean isolation was great but i'm talking about on a on a colonial marines yeah. shooter scale but the thing is uh, if i want to see that franchise that franchise you would think would be such an easy franchise to delve into right i mean you have one of the perfect enemies to take on you've got it, it seems like it's a no-brainer how to make these things go, but what we've seen in the past with some of these games is they just don't know where to take these things, and that's what concerns me. Is I want it to, I want it to succeed for a number of reasons. One is I want to see more alien, uh, predator, alien slash predator games in the future, AAA titles and that sort of thing, but also as a franchise as a whole, I think you know games can tend to drive movie franchises. What we've seen in the past is where, you know, games and and they don't always translate into good movies, but they do they do. <laughs> They do drive some of that, right? World of Warcraft, again, I'm not talking about good movies, but people being excited about games drives the, the movies. And what we've talked about, you know, the Alien franchise has kind of been hit or miss movie-wise. We we hear that, you know, things are put on hold. We don't know what Disney is going to do with that franchise, although they have said they're still dedicated to, you know, doing more of that franchise. But I really want to see some positive light come out of those franchises because, again, it'll drive excitement for our next movie, Hopefully, give us some good quality movies to come, you know, to come out. And again, just, again, that that franchise seems like such a no-brainer, but there, we've seen people stumble with it. So I'm I'm hoping. Um, again, we haven't seen much about it. The announcements have been kind of, you know, behind, and we and a lot of this is due to the upheaval with Fox and and Disney. But I really want to see some quality stuff come out of that franchise because that that it deserves it. There's certainly ability to do that. We've seen that done with games in the past. Uh, I just really hope that they can deliver on something. Again, it doesn't have to be AAA. Um, it doesn't have to. It just has to be fun. It has to have you know fun mechanics, fun gameplay, and something that's you know engaging for folks. And and that's what I think they need to focus on most of all. Yeah, absolutely, and very well said. 
And that's going to do it for us this week, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, take care, and we'll be back next week. Until then, have a great one.